Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Amen. Word of God for our special consideration this morning is our first lesson, Isaiah 42, verses 14 through 21. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, this is a great time to be a militant skeptic or atheist, or at least they think so. This worldwide pandemic, which is causing so much misery for so many, for healthy people as well as sick, provides an ideal opportunity for their mocking questions. Like, I thought your God cared about people. If that's true, where is he in all of this? Or, why why would anyone believe in a God who has the power to do something about a problem like this, but doesn't actually bother to do so? Or, have you just forgotten to sacrifice a virgin or something? But many Christians, whether they would admit it to anyone or not, are likely wrestling with some similar questions. Believers always have, from the beginning, when hard times befell God's people or evil and tragedy seemed to be winning the day, and they just could not see God at work. And seeing or not seeing is really the issue. If I am taking a walk in the woods and I close my eyes, The fact that I cannot see the tree right in front of me does not mean that the tree is not there. The limits of my vision limit no one's and nothing's existence. On the other hand, if I open my eyes and decide, there's no tree there, and keep walking straight, I am going to end up bruised and bloody and show myself to be a fool, because my denial of reality limits no one's and nothing's existence. At the end of our gospel today, as a kind of commentary on the whole incident of his healing the man born blind, Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, in order that those who do not see will see, and those who do see will become blind. That lays out for us the two kinds of people and their relationship to God and his grace. One group cannot perceive spiritual truth, and the other can see it, but refuses to act upon and believe it. Those are the same two groups that the Lord speaks about in our reading today from Isaiah 42. In verse 16, he promises to lead the blind, those who currently cannot see his goodness in the gospel, promises to lead them through the judgment and destruction that is coming, turning darkness into light and rough places into level ground. And then, in verses 17 to 20, he speaks of and to the foolishly blind, those who should know, embrace, and trust his grace and guidance, but instead put their confidence in their own wisdom and false gods. The first group, the Lord assures he will never abandon. The second group, he condemns for having sight and hearing, but not using them to see him or hear his word. So, which group 
those who don't see or those who refuse to see, which group has trouble seeing God at work in times of personal, national, or global crisis? Both, really. But God's grace and power will come through for the first group while his judgment is coming for the second. You and I were previously among the blind though many of us have no memory of it. Once we were lost in the darkness of sin, unable to truly perceive God's love or goodness, even though it was all around us and and eager to bring us home to him. Without faith, we could see no way out and could only grasp and strain at escape through futile efforts to rid ourselves of our guilt or or gain eternal life through good works and holy living. But we were blind, blind to both our reality and the truth. So God had to act. He intervened, and he gave us sight and brought us into his wonderful light. And then we could see. We saw that despite our sin and unworthiness, he loved us with a powerful and unconditioned love. We saw that this love led him to give his only begotten son so that we would not perish in hell as we deserved, but would instead have everlasting life with him in heaven. We saw Jesus, living the perfect life that only the Son of God could live, then suffering and dying as only a man can die, all in our place, to satisfy both God's demands for righteousness and his wrath against sin. And then we saw Christ risen from the dead, showing that his sacrifice was acceptable and that eternal life, like his, now belonged to us as well. All of this new vision was faith. Faith worked in us by the Holy Spirit through the gospel. Some of us received it first through hearing God's word, others through baptism, but all of it was the the Lord's gracious doing loving us so much that he did everything to save us. And now we also understand that when God seems missing from our lives and from the world, it is not because he is absent or uninterested. He is always at work to love and lead us, but he bides his time in revealing himself, because when he comes, many will not receive him gladly and will suffer for their disbelief and disobedience. The silence that the first verses of our text talk about is the Lord's powerful restraint, not any kind of disinterest or impotence. And when he comes in judgment, whether it is in intermediate punishment of evil people or nations, or whether it is the final day of accounting at the end of the world, when it comes, there is no mistaking or missing it. If we add verse 13 
to the beginning of our reading, we hear, The Lord will set out like a hero. Like a warrior, he will work himself into a frenzy. He will shout. Yes, he will raise a war cry. He will be heroic against his enemies. And then he speaks. I have been silent for a long time. I have kept still. I have restrained myself. Now, like a woman giving birth, I will scream. I will gasp and pant. I will dry up mountains and hills. I will make all their grass wither. I will turn rivers into islands. I will dry up pools. The imagery there is is vivid and graphic. It is not the picture of a missing God who does not care what happens in the world or to his people, but it is the picture of a mighty warrior who intervenes on the side of righteousness. And so we can now see many things and observe. We can open our ears and hear. The great and glorious law of the Lord, his word, the Bible, assures us that if we do not currently see God intervening to solve our problems or punish our enemies, it is because he has restrained himself and will, soon enough, when the time is right, take action. We know enough now to interpret his silence as mercy, as he patiently gives everyone time and opportunity to repent change course, and put their trust in him instead of in their own ideas, egos, or idols. The Lord is certainly not missing as this novel coronavirus makes its way around the world and through our nation. He sees what is happening. He hears the suffering. And he knows its cost better than anyone. He is present still. First and foremost in the gospel. As Jesus did with the paralyzed man lowered by his friends through the roof, he meets the needy's greatest need first. He forgives the sins of the suffering, relieving them of guilt and removing the terror of death. Yet God is also present to answer the prayers of his people always granting what is needed and what is best, which is not necessarily always what we think we have asked for. He is present in his word and in the sacraments to nurture, to comfort, and to strengthen us for for everyday life and for extraordinary struggles and suffering. God is present in circumstance as he arranges all things in past, present, and future for the good of Christ's body, the church. And he is present in the works of his people, as they, as we, in our various callings, serve our neighbors. Martin Luther called us God's masks in that the world sees him in our works of service. And and that is what we are and will continue to be, particularly as we help each other and our communities during this COVID-19 crisis. Whether we are medical professionals on the front lines or just regular citizens looking out for the sick, needy, or vulnerable. 
So when we see, as he enables us, that God is not missing from our lives and is not missing from the world, we know that we can trust him that much more. The God who sent his son to the cross for us can be counted on to act, counted on to lead his people, counted on to make rough places into level ground for us and to turn darkness into light. If anyone starts wondering where God is or what he's done for them lately, we can advise them to not take his silence for disinterest or his restraint for impotence. He is present, he is powerful, and he cares. And this knowledge and confidence changes our lives and changes the way that we see and do everything. Let us hear Paul's encouragement once more. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Amen. Please rise. Now to him who is able, according to the power that is at work within us, to do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen.